podcast round two. Louis Radow yeah. in the house. Thanks for having me, man. This is, uh, the pleasure is all mine, Lou. And uh, I'll just kind of throw a little bit of context around for anyone who's unaware of who you are. Um, we grew up together, went to a small public school system. So we knew each other in high school and became better friends after high school. When you got into the, the world of art and creativity, I saw you you know, becoming and pursuing the craft of blowing glass. And I was like, man, like if he can do that, if that's what he's passionate about, like maybe I can pick up a camera, maybe I can be creative myself. And that was a huge part of me stepping off the main path towards being in business and the kind of the cutout path that was laid before me. And so that's kind of the context I want to just throw down as it, always, dude, appreciate you coming on. Dude, it's funny to me whenever you say that. I, I mean, I don't know whatever it is, imposter syndrome or whatever, but I always you know, I hear you say that like, oh, I inspired you so much. And then like, it's definitely like a two way street. Like I see you as one of those people that's like, I don't know, even if I was just the impetus, like you've taken it to a different level in terms of like following your own thing. Sure. Yeah. Like not following in your footsteps in the same way, but like, yeah, seeing the commitment that you had to the craft, regardless of like how long it took, like you had patience early on, like you literally picked up a new art that's incredibly challenging. If anyone's ever like tried to blow glass before, yeah. it's like even just like keeping an area of the glass a given temperature is like it takes an incredible level of precision, understanding, like competence with the glass. So like I kind of saw you go from zero to like, crawling to like you know now you're producing stuff that it's like you could put it side by side with some of the best glass blowers out there well i don't and know you, about that man but thank you well <laughs> obviously there's levels to the game yeah, but like your stuff is sure. is really good man i've seen it progress so yeah i mean at the beginning i didn't really like have a choice i mean i always had a choice of whether i wanted to like pursue it and put time into it but it's mm -hmm. like at the beginning everyone i knew was at college mm -hmm. and i was at home I was, I had like maybe two friends in the Seattle area that I would see maybe a couple days a week at most. So I would come home from work, working at the hardware store and just like get to work. Cause it's like, what else am I going to do? Just like nothing. Mm. I didn't have something that was really calling me and it was just something fun and new to learn. I was like learning new shit. So. So you didn't really see it as like a career path or like a huge change. Like you just picked it up because you were interested in it. And it was just like the logical next step in terms mm -hmm. of what I was going to do. Cause I mean, I dropped out of college and after one year at Western Washington and you know, I had no real direction. I was like planning on taking some art classes at Bellevue college and like, cause I didn't, I didn't find anything that it was like, Hey, I would, I would like to do this for even the next year. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have any like, long-term goal of anything that I wanted to do and you're like 20 20 years old I was like 19 19 yeah you're young I'm, too for our grade yeah I'm like one of the youngest kids yeah. in our grade so yeah it's, right. it's like really had no direction and did you uh, have like a understanding that you were 19 and that you had a lot of potential and like there was so much like were you excited about what you might do with the future or were you kind of like bumming and stressing about everyone else being at college and being Stuck at home working at the hardware store. I guess before I ever started blowing glass, like I found kind of just like myself in this 
more, I would say more leaning towards bummed out of just like, oh, everyone's got this shit figured out. They're going to college. They're going to go get a degree and then get a good job. And like, I thought, you know, that was, I mean, as it was kind of laid out for us, the only path to take like 99% of kids from where we went to high school go straight to college. And that's just like the thing you're kind of expected to do. And I, I didn't feel like, I mean, I've always been a bad student, not that I'm like dumb, but I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do homework. So like, yeah, school wasn't and I didn't, I skipped so much class, dude. Yeah, I skipped, yeah, skipped I was, a lot of class. I was there with you, dude. So <laughs> I was yeah, like, I would, like now looking back, like my, my brother and my dad will like make jokes to me about how much like school I missed and shit. Just like, but it's funny to me, like how it can go from something that you like when it's something you don't really want to do or you don't believe in and you don't have that drive to Mm -hmm. you know get up and do it every day versus when it's something you do want to do it's like it makes it a lot easier for you to actually just invest yourself in doing it because you can even if you don't have the skills or whatever you can Mm -hmm. have that vision of here's where I want to be and here's what I want to be able to make and you can the only way to do it is just consistently practice like you have to suck a lot at anything that's the first step at being really good at anything is sucking at it 100 percent, man i was like not a shit student but i didn't care about school at all but school came pretty easily to me and i didn't have like really after i would say like sixth or seventh grade i didn't really have my heart in it that much like i was just kind of like i'm getting good grades to go to a good college to mm. get a good job kind of thing like that was just my my understanding of how it worked and like I would, I I guess I resonate with what you're saying. Like when you don't have something that you're truly excited about working on, like it's, it's such a grind. Like I always had this low level anxiety of like the next homework assignment is coming. The next test is coming. You finish eighth grade, you go to ninth grade, you got another year. When I was 16, I was felt very trapped in high school and like being like, I, one time is a complete joke now, obviously, but like when I was like 14, I told my dad, like, I want to, you know, I could do your job for you, dad. Like pretty much that was how (laughs) confident I was in my, (laughs) in myself. And, uh, I felt extremely bottled up, held down, looking back on it. And now going into the next chapter of my life in the next 10 years, potentially having kids and thinking about how I would make decisions in terms of like, do they go to public school? Do you homeschool them? How do you educate Right. child like I've learned a ton just through my own experience that it's like the school system is failing us big time in a lot of ways and yeah I maybe mean, you can speak on that kind of just like a general thing that I've kind of thought about as in terms of school public school for a while is just like they're forcing every kid through the same shape and size hole mm-hmm. regardless of how the kid learns or whatever I mean there's you know there's like a couple classes that are advanced and you know, there's the special ed classes for people that have learning disabilities and everything, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot. And especially with class sizes being so big, it's very much just kind of like, here's a template and everyone has to fit that template or you don't pass and get good grades or whatever. And then you're as, as much as that sucks for, I don't think it's as true now, but as much as that sucks for in terms of like your future like if you don't get good grades you can't go to a good school you can't get a good job good mm-hmm. career you're gonna have I don't a bad th- life you're gonna have a shit life if you don't do well <laughs> yeah, in high school. i don't think that's necessarily <laughs> as true now i don't think you yeah. have to go to school to yeah. be able to find a career but for a lot of people that is the path and that's like what their parents want and what their you know 
whole family wants them to do and what mm-hmm. they kind of just feel like is the answer for moving forward. So there's not a whole lot of other consideration. Not that, I mean, our school is like really good. Like we had a lot of options you could take. Mm-hmm. Like I took yoga for my physical education credits because I didn't like doing organized sports in high school. You weren't a big sports guy. Not a big sports guy. You were a BMX and a skateboard. and Yeah, I liked doing individual sports that I could Mm -hmm. choose when I practiced. And (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have to. I wasn't letting anybody down if I failed. I mean, I think that was like a big part. Like there was this little league game when I was like 10 years old or something. And I was, it was like in the playoffs and I was the last batter, last mm-hmm. out. And it was just devastating to, you know, like l- those guys on base, like let the team down. Like, like it's just like, <laughs> dude, it's like we had the chance to win the game. Old, and I was just, just like strike out. Yeah. Yeah, dude. But Hey, you know, like you're just one, I mean, obviously at the time it seems like it's the end of the world. Yeah. But I, I mean, I wouldn't remember that yeah. if I had, you know, well maybe I would remember it if I'd won the game or something, done something like spectacular, yeah. but I remember it more because I failed mm-hmm. than because I succeeded in that, you know? That's very, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And our brains kind of just work like that. And our, that kind of probably influenced that your whole lifestyle and how you thought about yourself in sports. Oh, in high school. it definitely changed. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not that I didn't like playing the sports. I, I loved running around and doing athletic stuff and I was never the fastest kid or the strongest or I've always been a pretty skinny guy, but you know, like I always enjoyed doing that stuff, but I guess that might've been kind of like more formative to like turn me off of team sports more Mm -hmm. and just make me want to kind of pursue less pursued ventures, like doing the BMX riding, the dirt jump building. And that was, I mean, that was fun also because then it just opens up a whole different community of people that are Mm -hmm. into that. But yeah, school was a uh, school was not it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, fascinating thinking back about it. Like it does a disservice to you if you win every time because you don't learn. Like you you learn more through failure than you do through winning. Because if you win, then you're like, cool, I already know what's up. Don't need to change anything. But yeah, if, like you, and you don't grow. I was just listening to Jocko talking about how like France and England after World War One were like yeah, we're good. We don't need to adjust our strategies at all. Like we just won. We're going to, you know, stick with the same strategies. And then, you know, some of these old time, uh, we'll talk about Jocko and I want to ask you about some other podcasts that you listen to and stuff, but some of these old time generals, like were so attached to one way of doing things that in the next war, it like cost them horrific events. Uh, Jocko just did a series of podcasts on uh, military incompetence. Mm. Just, you know, hours and hours of just like analyzing these old war stories. But yeah, I mean, I've learned more through podcasting than I have in school. I don't mean to like... Do you mean in doing the podcast or in just listening to podcasts? I've learned more and grown more as a human being in the last four years or five years since being out of structured education than I ever did and it's mostly just because you're self-driven, you know, like exactly. instead of everything being you're on this freaking, you know, beaten down, trodden down path, you're, you know, literally trying to find new territory, so to speak, in exploring craft, exploring places, getting into hiking or whatever. Yep. Um, what else has been some of like the bigger areas of growth and change for you since jumping onto this path? Uh, I would say definitely 
one of the biggest areas is just like figuring out that it's okay to do stuff that you like, even if no one else likes it. Cause that's, that's at the end of the day, you, if you're doing stuff just for other people or because other people like it or because it's the cool thing to do, or it's not gonna, it's not gonna bode well for your mental health over the long term. And I mean, over the past year and a half, two years, I haven't really done as much hiking as I did previously. Like three years ago, I was, you're going off. I was every weekend Mm -hmm. go out solo. I would hit people up and see if they wanted to go with me, but if they don't go, I'm going anyway, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And, uh, that was definitely something that was super beneficial for my, uh, mental health. I mean, first thing, just getting out in the woods is good for your body. It's good for your physiology, just being away from the city. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we could get into the whole 5g, everything. (laughs) There's so much like nonsense going on with that. But, um, yeah, we're getting fried, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary, but also at the same time, like if you if you think about it and you really believe that you're getting fried all the time, it's going to be worse than if you are That's just true. like, okay with it. And you're <laughs> like, Cool. That might be happening. These things exist and they're definitely real, but it's not like, yeah, as detrimental as you may think. Yeah. I mean, the more it's just like a testament to the power of the mind. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Your environment impacts you a ton, but you also have a ton of a control and autonomy over like how you interact with it and just being, I don't know, since living in this apartment complex, we have a, you know, printer in the room with us here, as you can hear. How are you doing? <laughs> um, you have to be pretty aware because, like, there's so many other people's energies and there's so many, there's quite literally, like, hundreds of Wi-Fi units in your building, you know? Yeah. Like, you're getting so many different frequencies blasting through you. Like, if you don't take intentional time to get out to the mountains, like, I don't know what happens to you, but I'm certainly not going to, like, like... It's bad, you know, you, you just feel it on like a deep level that you're just surrounded by all this city energy all the mm-hmm. time. And, uh, I don't know. And I, I mean, dude, it. like since you did that podcast with Dean Hall, um, right. I've started following him on social and yeah. he's always out there every, every Thursday, once a week, he spends a whole day in the woods, yeah. you know, so it's like that is, and you know, he two time cancer survivor, like mm-hmm. he if nothing else is a testament to really just the power of nature and slowing down and being doing more primal things that like our physiology is meant to do. Oh yeah. Dude, Dean Hall, uh, while we're on it, like one of the more inspirational guys, uh, I still hope to work on the film that he's making. It's like because of COVID, uh, he was planning on doing a world first, uh, river swim, can't disclose which river on the podcast, but like something that's never been done by a human being before. Right. And uh, sponsors pulled out. The whole thing kind of fell apart. He had an agent lined up. Like the project was coming together. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of projects have been put on hold. A lot of just life has been put on hold in a lot of ways. But during that last like two years, you know, like, I feel like asking you the question that I wrote down here, which is like, what have you learned specifically in the last two years getting into ice plunging? Oh, yeah. Dude. Going more inward or you know, speak on just like since the pandemic began, what uh, have been big takeaways for you? Well, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit before. So like right before the Please pandemic do. happened in 
September of 2019. Um, I was out in Boston for my mom's dad's memorial service, and um, I ended up breaking my toe. That's right. I was uh, out at a, I was out at a bar with my brother and my uh, like my cousins. It was probably like 10, 11 a.m. We were just kind of, it was the last day we had there. Me and my brother had a whole day in uh, in Boston before we were flying back to Seattle. So our cousins were flying out earlier in the day. So we were like, oh yeah, let's go to a bar and go like grab a couple of beers. And then at 10 a.m.? Yeah, because their flight was at like one or something. So they were going to come grab a beer with us and then go to the airport. Yeah. So we had, I think we had one or two beers there. And then we... Um, walked like five minutes and found the spot where there was like city bikes parked because they have city bikes all over mm-hmm. everywhere they've got like specific stations where they're you can rent them from and then specific spaces where you have to park them at where it does and we were it. just gonna go kind of like bar hop around for the rest of the day and um we uh start riding it was like maybe a 10 minute ride between getting the bikes and our next decided location and um i being the bmx guy was trying to get a little rowdy and i tried to jump a manhole cover and i wasn't used to the you know the handlebars being kind of swept back and everything so so i yeah i just and like the wheelbase is longer than Uh on a bmx so i lost my balance and i um kind of like jumped off the pedals so i wasn't gonna like because i was gonna if I didn't come off the pedals, I was going to slam. Uh-huh. And there was, like, a car behind us in the road and Head everything. like concrete. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, like, drunk by any means, but I was, I was getting a little loose and, like, you were definitely, definitely thought that I had more control and abilities yeah. on that bike than okay. I did, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up just kind of, like, stomping really hard on the ground to stop myself from falling and just mm-hmm. the impact of just stepping on the ground that hard fractured my big toe. Wow. So I, you know, took my shoe off. I was like, wow, that really fucking hurt. Uh-huh. And I like took my sock off and like looked at it. I was like, oh, it doesn't look that fucked up. Put my sock and shoe back on. Then we like keep riding. And then like, we're almost at the other bar. And then like, you know, it's five minutes, five, 10 minutes later. And it still kind of just hurts the same as when I stepped on. I was like, told my brother, Hey, I think I broke my toe. Wow. And, uh, I was like, we can still go to this bar. It's all good. And he's like, dude, if you like need to stop, like we can just stop and just like go back to the hotel. And I was like, oh, we can go to the bar. And then mm-hmm. like a minute later, I was like, yeah, we should just like park the bikes and call an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> it started getting swollen. Yeah, it started. I mean, it just like the pain didn't subside at yeah. all. And I was like, I've broken bones before. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is definitely broken. Yeah. I just like knew it was. So that set you back pretty big time or how did that impact that was um that was definitely a setback um that was maybe a month after we had done our last podcast and we were talking about how i had just you know gotten my eating habits down i was starting Uh to run i was starting to like work out i was starting to gain weight and like Uh get way more healthy and um i was definitely kind of bummed out but i was like not super bummed out you know it's just your toe i'll be fine Mm -hmm. I'll just, you know, just work out upper body and just, you know, get some gains. Gains, baby. Um, and then uh, ended up going to the urgent care, got the x-ray, whole thing. I, they put me in a walking boot, gave me some crutches. And um, then I went back to the hotel and just kind of iced it the rest of the day. And 
was embarrassed. I actually didn't like want to tell people how I broke it at first because <laughs> I was kind of embarrassed that I was like I haven't heard the story in full before. So I was like I was pretty embarrassed that I just broke it doing something so stupid, like so easy, like yeah. I it's mean, it is stupid. what it is. It's, yeah. I mean, getting injured is always yeah. not how it's always so fast and it's always not how you would expect it. It's right. going to happen. Right. So, um, next day, wake up, go to the airport, get on the plane. I was pretty uncomfortable cause just oh. like had my bags and crutches and you know, my foot in a boot and it mm-hmm. was like the day after I broke it. So I was pretty sore and swollen. I was limping or hobbling around. Um, Nothing too crazy. I mean, I was, I was in a pretty good headspace about it. I was like, honestly, kind of stoked that it was going to force me to, you know, take a break from running, take a break from biking, and mm-hmm. just kind of focus more on like working out upper body and figuring out how to, you know, get around that. Mm-hmm. And because um, that was recently after you'd showed me Jocko's video, good. Oh, let's go, dude! Just that whole idea of when something bad happens, good, there's going to be some good that comes from it. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, people say, find the silver lining. There's all mm-hmm. these sorts of things that are the same sort of concept, but just finding, finding some good that's going to come from it. So I was like, well, broke my toe. It'll be good that yeah. I can, you know, do a bunch of push ups, do some shoulder presses, do some mm-hmm. stuff. And then land in Seattle, getting off the plane, Uh, My brother was in the aisle across from me. I had a big, like, 40-liter backpack that was, like, my bag. That was, like, all I brought. Mm -hmm. And my brother goes, hey, you want to switch backpacks? He had a tiny little backpack with, like, his laptop in it or something. And um, he's, like, want to switch bags because you got your crutches. It'll just be, like, easier to, like, carry through the airport and shit. I was like, yeah, sure, take my bag. So he gets up, and he gets, I think he was, like, maybe a couple rows ahead of me. And he gets off the plane, he hands me his backpack, and then it was my turn to get up, and I put on the backpack, and I mean, I remember it being the straps were, like, definitely, like, tightened, like, mm-hmm. it was small on me, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, reached up to grab my crutches, they were, like, in the back of the overhead bin, like, behind someone's bag, and I reached up to grab the crutches, and... As I'm grabbing them, my shoulder, like, comes out of socket. No fucking way. And I hadn't dislocated my shoulder in over two years since then. I mean, I had a history of dislocating it since I was 16. I dislocated it the first time snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And then just a history of, like, you know, subluxation and dislocations after that. But nothing, like, really that crazy serious. I could always kind of just, like, move it around and get it to go back in the socket whenever it happened before. I mean, it was painful for sure, but yeah, nothing, brutal. like, nothing really that crazy out of the ordinary so okay. i reach up grab the crutches shoulder comes out <laughs> dude this is a fucked up i've story. got the broken toe i've got the backpack <laughs> on i was i mean immediately just in shock i was so just taken by surprise because i mean my shoulder felt pretty strong it had been like a while since it had totally happened i thought i thought for sure i was like mm-hmm. good i was solid mm-hmm. and um so i go in the the aisle or the row across from where I was sitting. And I just kind of say like, people were kind of like looking at me, like what happened? I was like, my shoulders out of socket just came out and I was like trying to move it around and put it back in and it wouldn't go back in on its own. And, um, I, uh, it was probably out for maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And then I just got fed up and I was, I like, I got pissed. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I was like angry that it happened. <laughs> so I like reached around with my left hand and I literally just pulled my shoulder in, in to socket. Which is not what you're supposed to do. Aren't you supposed to like twist the arm out like this? I'm not a doctor. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's definitely ways that are probably safer than what I did. But I was like, every time I've dislocated my shoulder, it always feels way better as soon as it's back in socket. Yeah. So I was like, whatever I got to do, just get, just get this shit back in. So I, Jesus. you know, took the backpack off, ripped my shoulder back into socket. <laughs> With like an audience too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were like freaked out <laughs> on the plane behind me. And the flight attendants were like, oh my God, are you okay? Do you need help? And I was like just a sec and I just you know get the shoulder back in grab the bag grab the crutches I didn't even fucking use the crutches because I was just pissed I was like these things just cost me whatever I didn't even know at that point uh-huh. and um, oh, you were thinking about the finances too not even thinking about the financial I was just uh-huh. like this is two years down the drain I was Fuck. like building all this strength and now uh-huh. it's just back to zero yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and then I get off the plane and my brother's waiting in the, whatever you call it, the between the terminal and the plane, the little runway, causeway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you okay, dude? Like, what happened? I was like, yep, just dislocated my shoulder, put it back in. And then uh, I remember I took a photo on, uh, on my Instagram story and I posted it after my dad picked me up and like on the way home. And I was just like, so pissed. I was really? just like. Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't see any benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, in a lot of pain. Yeah. And, but more than the pain, it was just like, I was just frustrated. I Dude. was just like, man, this is a huge setback. I'm not going to be able to blow glass for a while. I'm mm-hmm. not going to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to work. I, there's just, there was just a number of things that were going through my head in terms of, how is this going to set me back? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even at all close to thinking about the positive because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't see it. I was too close to the sun or whatever. Which you know, was, like, what did the positive, I mean, was there a positive that came of it or is there's it just the, long-term embarrassment oh, and frustration? Oh, I, <laughs> I think it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. Really? Yeah. And, uh, so after that, I, uh, I went to my doctor get it checked out. Like, Hey, what, what, and stuff with my shoulder because it was feeling super weak I would I was blowing glass maybe like a month later and I was you know I was having to focus on holding my shoulder in a certain way like flexing the muscles to keep my shoulder in socket it just felt so loose like if I moved it at all in the wrong way it was just gonna slip right back yeah, out and blowing glass is like insanely demanding on shoulders elbows all those upper body joints back all that so um Went to the doctor and he was like, oh yeah, you look fine. Your shoulder's totally fine. Thanks, Doc. And I was like, okay, sweet. Order me an MRI. Because <laughs> I know this isn't fine. Uh-huh. And then, oh man, I was in the MRI machine for like 45 minutes. Yeah, um, that's pretty typical, I think. Yeah, they're long. I was, you know, did they, they put did my they shoulder. contrast dye Yeah, in they it? put the contrast How'd dye. How'd that feel? Felt kind of weird, but. It, Not too bad? I was more just stoked to be there because that was two months after so you were like getting injured yeah. i got the mri you're solving the problem moving forward yeah i was like yeah. cool well at least i'll be able to diagnose at the very least and then kind of make a plan moving forward mm-hmm. and um the radiologist after i got out of the machine was like looks like your shoulder was like partially dislocated on the images and i was because like, they put me in a weird position in the machine you can't move you got to hold completely still and it mm-hmm. felt like my shoulder was 
partially dislocating mm-hmm. when I was in the machine. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to move because I didn't want to have to like come out and then go back in and redo the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, you're moving an inch in there. So turns out, get the results like a week later, turns out I had two torn ligaments, tore my labrum, tore my coracohumeral ligament, which is one that connects your uh, like shoulder blade underneath your collarbone to the top of your humerus. Okay. So I learned a lot. If nothing else, I learned a lot about shoulder anatomy and uh, how complex it is. Delicate, huh? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on with the rotator cuff and. So you ended up getting it healed up then, essentially. So then I went and saw a surgeon and decided, wow. hey, I think my best course of action is to get this surgery. Um, so I ended up getting surgery on my shoulder on the 21st of November. So almost two years ago to the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was in a sling for 12 weeks. Um, Jeez, dude. Or no, I was in a sling for six weeks and then no activity for the next, like I couldn't like lift anything yeah. or do anything for the next six weeks. Wow. And then I started PT, um, I think after like 13 or 14 weeks out from surgery. So I was like, I knew I was going to take a hit. I wasn't going to be able to work. I wasn't going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first month after I got the surgery, cause it was, I mean, it was, it's a pretty serious, like invasive traumatic surgery. They slice you open or these? Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, they did the arthroscope, oh, but they did. I got a good incision on the front and then one on the back too. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole surgery lasted like three or four hours. Yeah. So it was definitely not not good, not simple, yeah. and like a lot of recovery time. I mean, they really didn't want me moving at all for at least six weeks. Wow. So I, the first month after I got surgery, I was pretty, I was bumming. I got kind of depressed and like was spending a lot of time just like hanging out, watching movies, and had no real drive to do anything Mm -hmm. and then as soon as I got the sling off I was driving around I drive manual so I was driving around and shifting with my left hand and like definitely not the safest but (laughs) as soon as I could you know have my own sort of mobility back I was driving with the sling on like steering and shifting and steering with my knee and I um gotta give you a huge shout for uh having Jason Stoffer on the on the pod, the really? Morosco Forge. Morosco Forge. Yeah. Morosco. Uh, um I listened to your guys pod on, you know, all the benefits of the cold water. And it's not like it was the first time I'd heard the idea. You know, I knew who Wim Hof was and I knew I knew who the like all these guys who were, I'd seen a lot of videos of people jumping in the cold water. I remember you were jumping in the lake and the previous year and you were getting in there for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute or something. Yeah, and 30 seconds is generous. I was, you were jumping in, jumping, jumping out. in, jumping out, yeah. but you were still getting in the cold water, getting you in there and the getting winter. uncomfortable in yeah. the winter. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I tried it with you a couple of times and it was exhilarating, but it wasn't something that like really spoke to me uh-huh. and then I just listened to that podcast and he was very good definitely go back and listen to that one if you're interested in hearing more of like the physical and I don't know physiological benefits yeah. of Dude, doing he, cold water explosion yeah. exposure um he he definitely laid it out 
in a way that just kind of made it, it gave me the push. It made me want to try getting in the cold water. I was, I just gotten this surgery. I was like, Hey, here's a way I can be proactive and maybe help speed up the healing time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, December 23rd, 2019, I went down to, uh, Lake Washington, just kind of went down there and was just wanted to try it out, just get in the water and see how it felt. And, uh, I was in there for like a minute and 20 seconds and I got out and I felt awesome. I felt great. I was like, honestly, kind of just high off of endorphins and like the effects that he explained in that podcast kind of all aligned. And I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. I'm just going to start doing this every day. Mm -hmm. And I had no real goal of, you know, how long I'm going to do it or whatever. And then the next day I went down there again and got in and I stayed in for three minutes. And then the next day I went down and I stayed in for 10 minutes. And I, you know, I'd been listening a lot to, um, to Jocko and also Goggins. I'd read Goggins book maybe one time at that point. And just his, his sort of saying of be uncomfortable every fucking day of your life. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, it's good for you. It's really good for your brain. And, um, so now I've been doing it for, well, every day since then. Holy shit. I don't take days off. I, uh, I need a real good excuse to not get in. I think the only day, well, yeah, that's actually not true. The days I took off were January 6th and 7th of 2020 to go protest. (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. No, I had like the stomach flu and I was just like at home and I had, it was like maybe like a week and a half after I'd started doing uh, it. And I was like, yeah, don't need to go down there these two days. But then. Oh, that was 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And then right back on it after that. And I was, I was just getting in the lake every day and like listening to Goggins and, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about like his idea of the governor, like your mind has a governor and. Mm-hmm. It's Most like, people quit at 40%. Exactly. The 40% rule, like your brain is telling you, Hey, get out of here. What the fuck are you doing? But, and when your brain is telling you that you're, you're only 40% done. Mm-hmm. So I just got super amped up on like all these ideas of like mental toughness. And, you know, I had had to overcome this injury. So I was I was bummed out about not being able to blow glass and I had to find something else that was kind of giving me drive. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I honestly, it took the first day and I was like addicted to the cold water Wow! and just like my mind felt so clear when I got out of the water. And I think my favorite part about it in the beginning was just like, it made me so present Mm -hmm. in the moment. There's like nothing else you can think about other than where you are right now. Mm -hmm being cold (laughs) (laughs) and and feel it makes your body feel like a certain type of way where it's like not a sensation that you it's not even the same as if you do a cold shower it's just being fully immersed in a cold body of water is it's not somewhere people think is somewhere you'd find comfort or Mm -hmm. someplace that would be good for you it's not somewhere people really want to be but there's, I mean, as Goggins said, there's so much strength to be found in the suffering and like in that like place where you don't want to be. 
-hmm. and like doing the thing that is hard and you don't want to do and just doing it every day because like in spite of not wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. And I found so much strength through that. And it's like, and then going into, you know, the pandemic, just having that foundation of that mentality of like, here's something that sucks and I hate doing. I've never been a big fan of the cold, you know, yeah. like don't have a lot of fat insulation to help me do well in the cold. Mm-hmm. And I've always been kind of just like a wuss about, you know, cold hands, cold feet. Like, like most people you want to rush to comfort. Yeah. Heck yeah. Like everything in our lives is comfortable. That's what at this I was going to say, like, it's so easy to just seek comfort all the time. You know, you got like, your mind is giving you, you know. Hey, just take a nap or hey, just just come warm up. Yeah, and then just like the physiological comforts also just we're always at the right temperature. Mm-hmm. We're never too cold, never too hot. Yeah. Climate controlled car, climate controlled work. Yeah. Like everything is very Yeah, Stoffer talked a lot about that. Yeah. Anti fragile is what he yeah. was talking about. Like how can you train yourself to be less fragile? And like I've I'll speak on that for a second because, like, I don't have the practice that you have. I don't remember the last time I was in cold water. The last time I was at your place was the last time I did a real ice bath, which was months ago. I don't know. But... uh, It's in the middle of the summer. I will say that, like, just generally developing more flexibility to what life is going to throw at you has been, like, super helpful. Whether that's, like, fasting Mm. or just, like, limiting your time windows of when you eat to certain times of the day, that's been like pretty powerful for me. I used to always kind of be like on the, the glucose roller coaster, if you will, like just wake up in the morning, eat a meal. Okay. I need another meal by 11 and then crash in the afternoon. And so I've, I've through parallel at the same time as you've been sort of exploring these ideas of mental toughness and got to use the word at this point, grit. Right. Um, and like how that extrapolates or, how that kind of like manifests in other areas of life, I think is pretty fascinating. Cause it's one thing to sit here and like, hear what you've just said, like the whole story, the arc of like getting injured, like you could have gone, like you could have gone a more negative direction, right? Cause mm-hmm. you were in the slumps of negative thinking of like, what the fuck? I just have this long, big setback. Like the, the easy thing to do is just to kind of give into that, feel sorry for yourself. I've, that's what I usually do, mm-hmm. you know, like ask my girlfriend, I'm always com- bitching and complaining about like the littlest things. And so that's tr- something I'm trying to work on. Maybe speak a little bit on how just this, like this muscle that you've developed over time in the day to day. I think a lot of people could benefit from understanding like what, how you think about things. Like, let's say some shit goes wrong on an average day. Like, do you, are you able to catch it in the moment and be like, okay, here's what's going on. Could be worse. Like, how do you kind of, how do you address like challenge in general based on your last couple years of, I would say probably the best example I have for that to address that specific question was, um, last year when I had to put down my cat, mm. I went on Gandhi. Yeah. Gandhi. What a fucking, what a guy went on. He was like nine years old. He had a pretty good life. Uh, went on a really awesome hike, went hit McClellan Butte with um, good friend Hunter. And uh, on the podcast, yeah, shout out Hunter Goodrich. Yep. And um, 
we jumped in the South Fork Snoqualmie River when we got down to the bottom, you know, feet were pretty tired, felt awesome, get some cold water. And then um, actually at that time, both of our pets were in the vet and we were expecting to get them that day. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of expecting the worst. He thought his dog was going to come back and have like tested positive for having cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, expecting that really bad news. And I was expecting the vet to call and say, hey, ready to come pick up Gandhi. He's ready mm-hmm. to come home. Mm-hmm. And then I got a call from my dad on the way home between um, between North Bend and Seattle. And uh, he gave me the bad news, said what the vet had said to him. He had, you know, chronic kidney failure and he wasn't able to retain water. And he was just, it, it was either you're going to have to do a whole lot of home care Mm-hmm. to keep him alive or uh, make that call. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to, you know, have that. It, I honestly couldn't pick a better day for that to have happened because, hmm. like I said, I was on, literally peaking on this mm-hmm. epic peak. It was a clear day, mm-hmm. like up at over 5,000 feet, just having one of the best days of my life. And then came down and had this, you know, tragedy of a phone call that I was like, damn, well, now I got to make this decision because she was my cat. You know, like, do I give him like saline injections twice a day or and then he might live for another like week or two? Mm-hmm. Or do I just, you know, make that call and say today's the day mm-hmm. and uh Got back home, jumped in the ice bath. Literally, it was a tool at that point. Mm -hmm. Like, this is okay. Life happens. Death happens. It's like death is the most natural, guaranteed aspect of anyone's life. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Yeah. Uh, And I think the way we, especially in America, look at death or view death as a society is kind of in it's not the healthiest just to say succinctly um kind of push it away push it away push it away like it's never going to happen and then when it does happen it's this huge Mm -hmm. weight that we can't deal with because it's like you're doing all of that work of trying to figure it all out at once rather than accepting that it's going to happen and knowing that at some point you're going to have to deal with that and it's going to be hard and you're going to have to kind of make it up because there's no real, you know, there's no real template for how to deal with that. And everyone grieves differently, obviously, but yeah. So we went down to the vet and uh, hung out with him for, I mean, luckily Hunter was there with me. He definitely helped me through that experience and he was extremely supportive and, um, it was, I mean, it was the opposite of what we'd thought was going to happen, but because we thought his dog was going to be fucked up my cat was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was ready to, you know, play that role for him. Right. And uh, luckily everything was fine with his dog. Mm-hmm. But um, Dog's still kicking? Yeah. Nice. Summer. What a good girl. Uh, is it like a lab? Yeah, black lab. Black lab. Okay. I thought, for some reason I thought it was Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but at that point I'd been training cold water exposure daily for Mm. nine months. And, uh, I just knew that it was like the thing that was going to make me feel okay. Not like it's like, if I wasn't able to do it, I wouldn't be able to move through it, but I knew it was going to help me and kind of just, as I said earlier, bring me back to the present. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got in the tub and I mean, I, I wrote down on that day, it was, uh, September 4th and I wrote down in my, uh, in my log that it was, uh, the most important day I've ever had the ice bath in my life mm. and that it saved me mentally. Mm. Cause it, I, I mean, I literally was, I mean, I was definitely like somewhat in shock of like the news and everything, but I, I got to a point where I was just like, it's all good. He had a fucking awesome life and he was a great cat and we had great times and like, I shouldn't take away from, all of that good just to feel sorry. And it's not going to change anything. It's Mm -hmm. it's not going to like pragmatically make him better all of a sudden. Right. If I'm just a wreck and, uh, I just got to this place where I was like, you know, just taking that idea from Jocko's video. Good. And just like, there's going to be some good that comes from this or Mm -hmm. even if, I mean, and I mean, I couldn't see it then, but like since, now I don't have any pets. My life has gotten so simplified. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to like be like, Oh, I got to go home and feed the cat or mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot easier. I mean, right. definitely like I miss him and right. like I loved him, but it was, there's, there's always going to be, even if you can't see it in that moment, there's mm-hmm. always going to be some benefit from every situation. And I like that. Um, that saying that Dean has swimming in miracles. Everything mm-hmm. is a miracle. Every single thing that happens in, in your life is a miracle. The guy cuts you off in traffic, miracle. Mm-hmm. Like, just trying to have that positive perspective. Because yeah. um, that's really the only thing you can control. You, there's all sorts of stuff you can try and control. But most things that are outside are outside of your body mm-hmm. at least or completely outside your control. And the only thing you can really control is your attitude towards any given situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, easier said than done, my guy. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> another thing Jocko says is like his idea of mind control detach. Like most people, when they think about con- like mind control, they think about controlling someone else's mind. Mm-hmm. And Jocko says, when I think about mind control, I think about controlling your own mind. Like that is true mind control because you're going to be, there's inevitably like you can't get life throughout with throughout life without suffering. Yeah. It's just possible. Like you're going to suffer yeah, and you wouldn't want to. I mean, people are so comfortable now that they literally will just make up problems to have something to be a problem because people sure. need problems to solve. Or else your life is literally boring. You don't have any, if you don't have any conflict, how do you move past that and grow and resolve conflict or anything? It's like literally the arc of any story. There's the hero, there's a conflict, Mm you got to resolve the conflict and then you grow and become something new or transform or it's like almost every single story you is conflict and resolution. Right. 
So, um, yeah, kind of just to backtrack on the, the cold water stuff. So getting in the lake every day, I did that from the end of December until I think like April that year, 2020. And, uh, lake, right? Lake, lake, lake. Washington yeah. every day. I was posting, story, Park. Pace, posting stories on my, uh, Instagram every day, showing the clouds, showing the weather, everything, yeah. rain, shine, snow, whatever. When the I was water's getting in a little, there. when it's windy and the water's wavy, it's a little colder, you know? Yeah. 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 When the, the water's, water's moving on your skin, it definitely plays a, plays a factor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, back then I was, I would get in the lake and then I would go on the beach get dressed, go to the car. And then as quickly as I could, I would go to the, to the JCC to the sauna and jump in the sauna. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I wasn't like directly to comfort, but I, as pretty, as quickly as I could, I was getting warm because mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I was full body shivers. Like <laughs> sometimes had to use two hands to turn the key in the car. Cause mm-hmm. I couldn't like, my fingers weren't working properly. And, uh, I was just rushing to, to be comfortable. And then I would be like, oh, I'd get out of the sauna and I'd feel amazing. Cause I was all uh-huh. warm, warm and, and yeah, just felt so good. I'd had the, the mental win of cool. I did the cold water. Didn't want to do it. Did mm-hmm. it anyway. Mm-hmm. There'd be days I was going down there and, uh, I would, I'd be thinking about, oh man, I could just skip today, you know, like, and then, you know, that little inner voice comes out and it's like, oh man, you're being like a little, little pussy right now. You're wimping out Mm -hmm. and, uh, just fighting that, you know, urge to be like, oh, it's okay. I can just do it tomorrow. Or like, I, I've found that the mental anguish of the anxiety of knowing that I didn't do it <laughs> is worse than the like short physical duration of like being uncomfortable. Right. Like the mental discomfort for me at least outweighs the, the, the physical discomfort. And I know that's, I mean, probably not like the healthiest way to think about it because like there's obviously going to be days in my life where, you know, I can't do it. Can't do mm-hmm. cold water exposure or um but at least for me right now it's a big enough priority where like I'll sacrifice other things in my life to be able to mm-hmm. to do like I'll go buy some bags of ice and uh like a laundry basket or something and hold it in the shower so it's like dripping ice water on me wow. or I'll I haven't had to do that but I'll I'm willing to go to lengths to <laughs> to ensure that I get the daily cold water. I mean, I'm on like a like five or 600 day streak now yeah. of doing it every day. Wow. And, uh, there has yet to be a good enough excuse to, to not do it, do the daily. I mean, it's like, it takes me 20 minutes to do all in all. And yeah. so talk about your practice now. Cause now you don't go to the sauna. Yeah. So initially when I, was getting in the lake. Then I stopped doing that in April cause the lake was warming back up right. and it becomes it, like I was pleasurable. It's not even, it wasn't, it wasn't done. even getting me cold. I was spending yeah. 20 minutes in the water to, <laughs> to going for a swim. Yeah. I was going for a swim. It was mm-hmm. enjoyable. It wasn't like that kind of gritty experience that yeah. I was experiencing in the, in the middle of the winter. So I, uh, didn't really do that much research, should have done more research, but I, uh, 
figured out, oh yeah, here's the cheapest kind of option. So I went and got a like animal feed trough from uh, Tractor Supply Co. in Kent. Let's go. And uh, took this took apart this old like styrofoam couch and like used that as some insulation around the tub. And then uh, I bought like a little home like under cabinet ice maker and uh just filled that with water and i was like freezing big tupperwares in the freezer every day and (laughs) dumping blocks of ice in there and taking a little bit of water out so it didn't overflow and you know that was that was a good that was a good option i'd started uh training like a breath hold every day i remember when i was getting in the lake the first month you you kind of chirped me and you were like hey dude you gonna put your head in the water right and i was for the most part at the beginning we were just going in there yeah just up to the neck up to the neck or like like up the shoulders mid chest and Mm -hmm. uh well i i was always trying to get my shoulder under the water Mm because i was like oh this is gonna help me um you know heal the shoulder faster just to reduce the inflammation everything and i i was just at first i was in it for the the physiological benefits like, mm-hmm. Oh, Hey, this is going to help my shoulder recover quickly. I'll be back on the torch sooner, all this stuff. But then I had no idea. I was just going to get so mentally hooked. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that tub, I was keeping that at about uh, 39 to like 37 to 39, 40 degrees mm-hmm. had some ice cubes floating on the top. Um, and I was doing that, you know, consistently every day. And, uh, I had seen this video, um, on Steve Weatherford's Instagram. Uh, he used to be the punter for the New York giants. Throwback. Um, the year they won the super bowl actually. And, uh, he did this retreat with, uh, Wim Hof at his house in Poland with like 10 other people. It was Mm -hmm. like Mike Posner and like humble, the poet Lewis house, um, no way. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly who else was there, but it was a whole like, you know, holistic breathing, mm-hmm. cold water, uh, challenge your fears type of maybe like week long mm-hmm. um, sort of workshop. And uh, at the end of that week, Wim has this like hot tub, like large hot tub sized ice bath in uh, his backyard and it was like snow on the ground and like they had to break the ice on the surface to get in. So everyone was getting in that and I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And uh, then there was another video of that guy, Steve, doing a long breath hold under the water and he made it a minute and 45 seconds holding his breath under the ice water. Uh And I was like, how is this even possible? Yeah, Like I was just like, blown away i was like maybe i should start you know trying to get (laughs) trying to get my head in the the cold water and then i was in the lake and i was starting to do you know head dunks maybe like once or twice or like at the end of the Uh sitting in the lake i was sitting in the lake like five to ten minutes on average Mm -hmm. and um i would you know maybe dunk my head like once or twice and then i just started progressing it from there i started doing okay, well now I'm going to do, I'm going to sit in there for three or four minutes and then do a head dunk every minute on the minute. Uh, Just playing games with it. Yeah. Yeah. I just made it fun and and kept it interesting. And then I was like, okay, well now I'm going to do one every 30 seconds on the 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. 
and just started moving that kind of line, which is funny. Cause I mean, when you, t- when you chirped me and was like, Hey, you should put your head in the water. I was like, no dude, that'll all get way too cold. Yeah. I won't be able dude, to I have do- so much hair, man. Yeah, Like I have long hair. Yeah. Maybe if I <laughs> cut my hair short and like don't have a beard. So it like holds all the water. Maybe I'll do it then. Yeah. And, uh, so then fast forward, I bought the tub and then I, uh, saw that video and I was like, man, I, um, I should start trying to hold my breath under the water, you know, cause like if I'm getting the rest of my body cold, let's get my head cold too. Mm-hmm. Cause you lose a lot of heat through your head. Yeah. You got to keep that brain warm. You're always going to have fresh blood going to your head. So I was like, well, that'll be, that'll be cool to kind of train that aspect of it too. So started doing the head dunk in the, in the tub every day. And I was doing, you know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, maybe 30, 35 seconds. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool. Um, cause I saw like a little bit of progression there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just kept doing that. And, uh, then I kind of, now I've got this general, just the thing I do every time I get in the tub, I get in the tub and I take 20 deep breaths and I, it's like similar to the Wim Hof breathing, but instead of just like releasing the air and letting it out, I'm kind of like pushing the air out. So okay. it's, you're dumping more CO2. Okay. So you're over oxygenating your blood, getting yourself a little bit high on oxygen. Sometimes you, your body will start kind of like tingling, vibrating in your fingers. Just in 20 breaths, huh? And, uh, so I'll do 20 breaths. It takes about a minute and then big deep breath in and go under for, you know, as long as I can. So then last year I was getting that like May, June, I was getting like up to like a minute, minute 15. And I was getting pretty stoked. I was like, wow, this is definitely like moving in a direction where if I keep doing it, I can tell it's going to keep getting longer. And you know, the cold water every day, it keeps getting easier because, well, not easier. It's always hard to do. That's what I was going to at some point ask you. It's always hard to do, but it's less hard when you're, it's, I would say it's harder mentally. The, the pre-anxiety of Mm -hmm. thinking about it, it's like thinking about anything that you're kind of like scared, kind of scares you Mm -hmm. before you do it you're, you got that anxiety building up and you're like, Oh, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. But you know, it's critical. You know, it's, yeah, you know, it's going to help you Mm -hmm. and you know, it's good. And then you do it and then you'll be like, you get done with it. And you're like, why was I even worried about that? Just kind of like laughing to yourself almost like that was so easy. Mm -hmm. Not just saying with the ice water, but like, I remember that when we were, when I was doing BMX, like I'd be scared to hit the jump and then you hit the jump one time and you're like, Oh, that was really fun. <laughs> and then it's like, it completely changes how you think about yeah. it. And then you're not scared of it at all. Yeah. And you just have fun doing it. Yeah. So, um, the okay. thing with the ice bath is every day you have that kind of battle mm-hmm. of this is something I don't really want to do. Yeah. C- could I wimp out today? Could I skip today? Don't have a good enough excuse. Uh-huh. Like, weakness, laziness, uh-huh. those aspects of your brain, like just don't give them a vote. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's when, uh, you got me thinking about two things, the, 
when like when you start lifting weights when you go to the gym for the first time like it's so brutal mm. you know like every exercise just tough and then you get to a point like a couple weeks of working out where it's like you crave going to the gym mm-hmm. so is it the same way with water like in the sense that the water like doesn't get any warmer like you're actually trying to keep the water now you have like an actual tub that goes down to like almost freezing like 33 degrees or yeah something. so the water's, I mean, it gets easier, but like, is it the same as working out in that sense? Like where working out just is fun. Like there's zero, mm-hmm. ne- like you look forward to your workout once you are in the routine of it. But with like the cold water, I feel like there's something different where it's like, no matter how much of a routine, no matter how good you are and what, what the practice is. Like I hear Wim Hof saying like, yeah, he's just smiling and happy about getting in the cold water. Uh-huh. And I just imagine like him waking up in the morning, rolling out of bed, being warm. And like, is he... Like, there's not, like, a moment there where he's, like, like ah, maybe not today or something like that. Like I can't speak for him, but for <laughs> sure there's days where I get up and I l- look at the cold water and I'm, like, uh, I'll do it after work. <laughs> and then I'll go to work and at work Think I'll be thinking day. about it all day. Yeah. Like, oh, I should have just got in, got it over with, got it done. Dude, I do the same thing, too, with riding my bike to work because mm-hmm. it's, like, now it's early November. It's getting kind of cold and... I'll wake up in the morning and I have, I know I have like a pretty busy work day. And so my, my recreation time is pretty limited. Mm -hmm. So I love the bike commute, even on rainy, cold Mm -hmm. Washington days. And the, like the thing that I don't dislike about myself is when I spend too much time, like just ruminating in it. Mm -hmm. Should I do it? Like what clothes should I put on? Should I put on my biking shoes? Should I not? It's like, I, when I catch myself doing that, I just say, you're riding the bike, it's going to be cold, <laughs> put on the gear, it's going to be fine. Yeah, and the, the, every single time without fail, I get to the office, so glad that I got there. Mm-hmm. Saved a couple bucks on gas, not to mention mm-hmm. that's always a nice little treat. Uh, yeah, and then you don't have to worry about parking the car, parking when you get such a good mind home. state yeah. for work, yeah, like just blood pumping. Like, you know how your extremities are kind of cold if you wake up in the morning, get in the car, go to the office or whatever? You, you, mm-hmm. Your job's a little more physical than mine because you're actually blowing glass. I'm sitting at a desk for the most part, like either standing or sitting mm-hmm. on a computer. So like if you don't consciously get your blood moving, like you're just going to like just basically sit there. Your hands are cold. Your body's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's like really that healthy. I think it's pretty critical to get a solid exercise in at least once a day. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the, the whole like indecision that yeah. you're talking about, yeah. that shit will just kill you. Yeah, Cause it, it doesn't, that's one thing that for sure will not help you at all. It, the only thing it's really going to do is waste time. And then you're going to wish that you could get the time back or have mm-hmm. used it in a better mm-hmm. way. Or, I mean, you sit thinking, looking, should I wear the bike shoes? Should I, yeah. should I drive? And then by that time you could have already been halfway to work. You could have literally just had like a great idea, potentially get squashed because you were just like thinking about something that's 100 percent irrelevant yeah Mm -hmm. same thing it's like i literally could be at the office right now or i could have like goggins talks about how sometimes like when he really doesn't want to run he'll just like pull his shoes out and just like look at them for like Mm -hmm. 30 minutes and just sit there and kind of like look at his shoes like you gotta do what you gotta do but that's when you're like fighting (laughs) that that voice that's telling you it's okay to be a little bitch today like you Uh can you can drive the car and you won't really worry about it but then like at least for me with the, the cold water, like that's something I'll think about at night. Like it'll keep me up. Mm-hmm. Like I won't be able to go to sleep cause I'll know 
I didn't have a good excuse today and I still didn't do it. And there's no good reason why I didn't other than that. I wanted to be comfortable Mm -hmm. for this short duration of time. So last October when I had the, the feed trough tub, I, uh, was thinking about it and was like, okay, well, these days are getting colder again. You know, I'm going to have to be doing this. If I want to keep doing this daily, I'm going to be doing it, you know, in the winter, it's going to be way colder than it is in October. Like, how am I, how am I thinking about, I was just, how am I thinking about this? Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point I was getting in the tub, I'd get out, get in a towel, go inside and warm up. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Shower? you know, yeah, a lot of times I would, you know, be two minutes out of the tub and go straight to a shower. Mm-hmm. Like basically like as quickly as I could to get back to an equilibrium state. And, uh, I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, well now when I was getting in the lake, it would take me, you know, 10 minutes on the beach to even get back to my car. Yeah. And then maybe another five, 10 minutes before I was going to the, the sauna. So there was that sort of like natural warm up period after getting out of the water where I was, I had no choice, but I was shivering hard. Right. Like there's, and a lot of times when you get out of the cold water, you'll kind of feel warm, especially on like a warm day. I mean, sometimes even on a cold day, you'll feel warm when you get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, then like five minutes later, you start, it hits you. you start, your core temp is yeah. just plummeting and you're, <laughs> I mean, depending on how long you stay in the water, you'll, uh, so there's no risks at all to cold water plunging, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah, I just always hear people whenever like these things get brought up on social media, they're, you know, you'll get hypothermia, it's going to make you sick. Um, like know your boundaries, you know, like don't go from zero to a hundred. Exactly. Yeah. Just feel, listen to your body and you're not going to get hypothermia in 10 minutes in ice water. Yeah. I mean, or could you? you, I mean, it really just depends on what your what your body is, (laughs) and also, yeah, your mind controls everything. Your mind plays a huge um, part in that. So, like something Goggins says, the mind has the tactical advantage over you at all times. Hmm. And thinking back to that symphony podcast you did like a month ago, it's all in your head was the topic, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking a lot about that because I mean that also relates to you know the 40% rule it's all in your head when you when your mind is telling you you're done Mm -hmm. that's in your head and you can either give into that and kind of just crumble to your mind's will and it's not a bad thing that your mind tells you that it's a natural survival thing that like it's good it protects you from pain and suffering Mm -hmm. so there's a reason why you get in the cold water and the first thing you think is, get me out of here. Why mm-hmm. am I here? Mm-hmm. But it's like being able to answer those hard questions in that moment of being in that sucky spot mm-hmm. is where you find more than what you think was possible. Yeah. So that idea of, you know, we're done is is really all in your head there's i mean obviously there's like some physical limitations you can you can only do an ice bath for so long before you literally will be right at risk of 
hypothermia and I'm sure there's stories of people out there like f- literally like yeah, losing I mean, toes and I'm and sure you hear happens. about people like drowning because they get cold water shock and cold water shock is a real thing it yeah takes it literally takes your breath away if you're not if you're yeah. not used Having to that person feeling with you when you're pushing the limits or when you're experimenting with this for the first time is nice because you do get so cold that like getting out could be a little sketchy, like you maybe mm-hmm. slip and fall or you're so cold, but uh, it doesn't, it, th- to me, all these people pointing out that there's dangers to it sounds like excuses to me, you know? And I have my plenty of my excuses as well, but at least I'm not saying like, oh, I could get, you know, hypothermia if I do that. Like, right. I feel like a lot of people will do that. Like, oh man, I could get injured if I like push myself too hard. I don't want to push myself that hard. That's definitely know? true. And yeah, like, I mean, when I started doing, getting in the lake, the lake was 48 degrees. It got down to about 46 degrees Fahrenheit in Mm -hmm. the middle of the winter. And that was, that felt really cold. Yeah. And now I'm getting in, you know, 33 degree water every day. 46 to 33 is like, I would say it's like the difference between like 90 and 73 degrees. If you're just like outside. Like, you know, the difference between mm-hmm. like 90, you're like hot and 73, not hot. You're at like all. comfortable. Yeah. Like it's a massive difference. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, uh, even one or two degrees. Yeah. It, 36 anything below to anything, 33. Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It, two things I just can't let slip before we move on past talking about just ice bathing, which I think is a dude like hearing you describe this whole story and like how like actually getting a chance to like dive deep into mm. how it's impacted your life. It makes a ton of sense. Like I'm, I'm, I don't even get in the ice water. I'm so fired up about ice water right now. I got, yeah. I got to get back in there. Um, Jason Stoffer said something that like really shifted my entire approach to cold water, which was enter like a King exit, like a King. Mm-hmm. So previously, whereas I would be jumping in, Okay, and then, like, you're in this, like, kind of excited state. You get in, oh, cold, and then you get out, run up, and get your towel yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Jason was like, no, no, you get in like a king, exit like a king. So you slowly enter the water, mm-hmm. ease into it, surrender. This is the second thing I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Like, when I get in the cold water, I'm just thinking breathe and surrender. Let that cold just hit you as hard as it wants to, you know? Instead yeah. of, like, trying to, like, ignore it or, like basically like you have to give in to the cold Mm -hmm. when it's like in the thirties. Yeah. And then you you, can't fight it and like explain what your experience has been with this. But like every time I've gotten in the cold water, I've gotten to a point where it's like a tipping point. Like Uh it's so cold. Your hands are hurting so bad. Mm -hmm. You're just in pain. Like it's suffering. And then you just keep breathing and you can like get through that and you're actually relieved of it. Even though you're still in the water, you're like, mm-hmm. you're doing fine. Last yeah. year I jumped in Ames Lake, which is out in uh, Redmond or kind of like past there. I think mm-hmm. I texted you about it. I was like, dude, I just had the best cold plunge of my life. Like yeah. I was just having a stressful day. I knew I was like off my game, mm-hmm. feeling like shit. I get in the cold water. I literally didn't want to leave. I was in this beautiful, pristine lake looking at the trees and Mm -hmm. I just felt so at home. And I was like, I guess like what I would say is you don't need to do it every day to just try it. Like one time, like I hear your story and it's like, dude, more power to you, of course. But like, I can also speak to my experience, which is like 
barely getting in the ice water. Like I, I was doing it consistently when we were in Mexico because we had a neighbor that would do the ice plunges. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I've been pretty inconsistent. Like when I lived in Mercer Island, I would get in there in the winter time, but I haven't, I don't have like a, like a consistent practice mm-hmm. and yet I've still benefited immensely from it. Like right. just knowing that, you know, if it's a little cold, that's okay. Like if I'm walking to my car and it's like a longer walk than I anticipated or like I forgot my jacket and it's like October and I still want to like go for a walk or something like it's no big deal. I just, I'm just a little colder. I, I just spent uh and it's like not, I'm not like seeking to get warm and mm-hmm. I'm not letting that experience take me away from all the positive things of like being outside and enjoying right. time doing whatever. I was just in uh, California for five days. We were up in the mountains at 10,000 feet camping and it was 18 degrees one night. Windy. T- like insanely windy. And uh, I don't know. I felt like there's some of the people in the group did better than others. And it wasn't necessarily because of the gear. Let's just say that. Yeah. The gear's a factor. I'm a big gear guy. If mm-hmm. you, anyone knows me, I <laughs> like my gear. But there's also something of just like, okay, my feet are cold. My hands are cold. This is where we're at. You know, instead of like trying to fight against it, I feel mm-hmm. like there's just a lot of value there and uh, just kind of like accepting that life isn't all like it's better when things are difficult and hard. And then when they're easy, it's like this is the greatest thing ever because mm-hmm. we can just chill. Like I can't really enjoy sitting on the couch and just watching a film or hanging out with my girlfriend unless I've like accomplished or not accomplished, but I've like expended the energy that's wired into me to like get shit done, you know? Right. You feel like there's, yeah, you feel almost like guilty that you're, you haven't done enough or, but I don't like feeling guilty too. So like I'm at a point in my life where maybe you can speak to this. Like I used to always have this like existential angst about like, Oh, I'm going to put, you know, put that off. And like, I have these ideas, but they're just remaining ideas. Like they're not Mm. coming into like execution mode yeah and now i feel so much more fulfillment about my life because i like yes there's some such a long way to go haven't achieved to the point where i'm like satisfied with what i've done right Mm -hmm. like i still think i'm at like level one but at least i feel like when i hit the bed at night most days i'm like okay that was a good day like i texted my brother last night i was like dude i just put in a day like i texted Mm -hmm. him after midnight like Woke up at 6 a.m. and I was up past midnight, like pretty much being productive the whole day. I'm not trying to like brag or something, but like that is harder and it does suck sometimes. Like pushing through in the afternoon, like I just want to take a nap today. Mm -hmm. Instead, I laid down, I meditated for 10 minutes and I got right up and got into a call and got back after it. Went to yoga today, like all those things that I feel like at 22, 23 years old, I probably would have like been just kind of ruminating and been like beating myself up over Mm -hmm. not getting any shit done because that's kind of what school trained me to do at least was like just get the stuff done that's told to you but not move the ball on the stuff that's like actually important in the long run like Mm -hmm. this podcast perfect example we don't have to do this right this is a big commitment of our time and energy. Like we could just enjoy smoking a joint together and hanging out outside. Like, yeah, I mean, we could have this conversation not recorded at all. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest with you, while you bring that up, like I've realized this year, I enjoy unrecorded conversations more than recorded ones because I can just say whatever the fuck I want and just be like as wild as I could possibly be. Yeah. The people I'm talking to, I know they're not going to judge me. I, there's like zero of that. 
And so I'm trying to like bring the fun of like that type of conversation into the podcast. And I think that's where the most interesting stuff is. So like the fact that you're opening up about like striking out in the bottom of the last <laughs> inning and in the 10th, like, dude, yeah. that's real shit, you know, like yeah. that's where it's at. Uh, and like not being afraid to just talk about those, those difficult things. But I mean, those are like the, th I mean, everyone says, you know, everyone's got childhood trauma no one has a perfect childhood. Everyone has the shit that they have mm -hmm. that happened to them that kind of defines how they act or who they are, or why they are the way they are. And, uh, you know, recently over the past couple of years, I've started analyzing a lot more of that stuff in depth and kind of thinking about a lot more of that stuff. And, um, not as, not for any reason other than just to kind of figure out why I am the way that I am because really knowing yourself will help you in pretty much every aspect of your life, mm -hmm. knowing what you like and what you don't. And, uh, I mean, I don't really have any like real direction with where this is going, but I like it though, dude. How do you, well, I guess what I would ask you is like, how do you do that? Cause for me, it's so easy just to like, not go to the stuff that's hard to think about. Like, ask my girlfriend dude like I'm happy just like turn the page and move on but right. then she's like well you had your childhood and like the way you were brought up in Mercer Island makes you think about things this way she's from Guadalajara Mexico mm -hmm. her childhood her culture is like night and day different than mine right? right so she'll see how the way that I was brought up the things that I've told her about my family she'll like connect the dots between right. them because she's a very introspective very like thoughtful person and you know, I'm introspective in some ways, but I prefer just to get on a bike and just pedal until I don't think about it anymore and be done with it. You know? Do you not think when you're on the bike? <laughs> no, I do, but I just don't actively, I guess my question is like, how do you actually go back and like learn about yourself in like a structured way? Like, do you just kind of let it happen or do you yeah. like sit down with a notebook? I and definitely don't like intentionally say, okay, now I'm going to go back yeah. and find Here's my why time this is, to yeah. be introspective. It's just, it's just, <laughs> you know, kind of catching yourself in the moment in yeah. a, a certain way that you react to something. And then, you know, instead of just being in that, whatever feeling you're feeling at that moment, mm -hmm. kind of feeling that feeling for sure, because it's good to feel real feelings. You shouldn't like stifle your feelings because mm -hmm. you're scared of how it could be, represented or whatever from your childhood but then kind of just going back and thinking about okay why did I get so mad when that happened or you know why did I act this way when a certain thing happened right. and then kind of just trying to trace that back to I mean and it, the, it's definitely not always traceable you can't I mean that's why there's professionals that do yeah. therapy and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's their whole job is to kind of open up those layers and figure out why yeah, there's like techniques. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with just spending the time sitting in those feelings of whatever discomfort, because it's not always, mm -hmm. as you said, the most comfortable thing. It's a lot easier to just kind of move past it and, just put it on the back burner mm -hmm. and yeah, this not is what, think about yeah, it. I was going to ask you because you seem something that came to me, which I actually have never even thought about you in this sense, but 
I did a Scooty Fund takeover a while ago, which is like these Wednesday, every Wednesday, the Scooty Fund nonprofit organization around mental health gives the Instagram story so that someone can just talk about their journey with mental health. And I, um, I touched on this balance between masculine and feminine, and I mm. had never really connected the dots to you being someone who has a pretty good balance of masculine and feminine. Like you talk about, you know, the emotional connection you had to your cat, the way that you're talking now about being like sitting with feelings and like that type of stuff. Like that's not traditionally in our culture known as masculine, mm. but maybe if you could comment on just how you think about like embracing, have, were you always in touch with the feminine side of your emotions and things like that? Is that something you've learned through the ice? Is that something you've learned in life later on or yeah, is that's that more a good question? Inherent? I've definitely always been pretty kind of more in touch with my emotions than I would say most males. Yeah. We're not too in touch with our emotions. Usually. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Like, just for example, when I watch movies and stuff, like, I get very emotionally invested. Even if I don't like the movie, it's really mm -hmm. hard for me to detach yeah. that I'm, like, empathizing with the characters in the movie. Like, yeah. to the point where, you know, little things that, you know, might not be that sad or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. I'll well up and start crying at movies and, mm -hmm. like, very easily. And... uh I've always kind of been like that. That's why I don't like watching horror movies because it's it. I make it too real mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's even if I know it's fake, I make. So you it, don't like watching like fucked up internet videos. Well, it depends uh, the lane of fucked up. Not that I do that now, but when I was younger, we'd love that. Like that's fucked dot com. Remember that website? I don't think I've ever been on there. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I've <laughs> not Sorry. that I'm. I'm not like super turned off to like violent things mm -hmm. or um kind of like disgusting things like it's not that i won't i think it's also very different if it's just like a video clip versus like a whole story mm -hmm. put together um but yeah i've definitely always been kind of pretty in touch with the i would say more feminine side mm -hmm. of uh feelings and emotions I've never really been scared to say what I'm feeling when mm -hmm. I'm feeling or like feel like I need to push down the emotion because actually that's not true I used to I used to kind of bottle up anger a lot in high school mm -hmm. um I had a pretty strained relationship with uh my mom mm -hmm. and uh I was switching houses back and forth every week or two weeks between my dad's and my mom's house. And, um, every time I was at my mom's house, I just would kind of close up and clench and just make it through. Mm -hmm. And cause I didn't want to, you know, have those conversations of, you know, whatever fights or arguments or, uh, it was easier for me to just kind of close up and not address it because it was just a week or just two weeks and I could get through it and then mm -hmm. whatever, talk to my friends or vent or just, or not. And then I would just kind of deal with it and it would just build up and build up and build up and just kind of started definitely taking a toll on my uh, mental health. But um, I mean, I haven't really even been that cognizant of my mental health since 
other than since I started doing the, the cold water. Mm. I used to think, you know, I don't have any anxiety. It's crazy that people can even get anxious like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, a lot of it for sure over the past year and a half with the pandemic and everything that exacerbated so many mental health issues that people had. It just kind of brought everything to the surface and yeah. made everyone have to deal with it. But um, I definitely am, I have anxiety and I've realized that now through the cold water, like I would be getting to a breaking point at work where I was, you know, unhappy with my boss and unhappy with how I was being treated and how I felt undervalued or something or, and then I would come back and get in the lake or get in the ice bath and I would get out and I would literally just be laughing to myself about how silly that whole thought process was because it's like, Hey dude, you're alive and uh, you're here right now and you're breathing and just being like brought back into my body and out of my head and just seeing how quickly your mental state can change like that of being like all stressed out and tense and your shoulders are all high up by your ears and you're pissed off and all you want to do is kind of just like relax and maybe drink a beer, smoke some weed and mm-hmm. you just kind of want to like get away from all of the stress. But then what I found, you know, through the ice water is just going towards the stress, going towards the thing you don't want to do that, you know, is going to suck mm-hmm. and you know, is going to make you uncomfortable, especially, I mean, the, it's almost instant when you get in the cold water, you you're there. There's, you're not thinking about all the little bullshit throughout the day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm right here and I'm alive. I'm breathing. And it makes you just like, it makes you take either very shallow breaths if your body is not used to it, or you take real deep breaths and you can kind of, as you said, re- sub, uh, what did you say? Surrender. 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 Surrender to the cold. So now when I get in the water, I'm like, I'll hold my arms up, try and get the water in my armpits, try and get it in all of the spots where it's like, if you're clenched up, you're going to be holding your arms tight to your body, trying to keep all the warm spots warm. And, uh, some people like don't put their hands under. Yeah. I think, I mean, to each their own, like you said, you can't just jump into it a hundred percent from zero, but it's just to each their own totally. But it's just one of those things where it's like, you can do it. So yeah. what's the only you, thing holding you back is your mind. Yeah, you have to open your mind yeah. to the possibility that you can do this. Yeah, like if it was actually going to cause like safety issues, then yeah. that's a different story, but yeah. it's not. Like so That's the other thing too is like you can plan on doing 2 minutes in there. Mm-hmm. And you get in, you don't and your body is telling you and you can't fight that mental whatever fight or flight telling yeah. you to get out. You can get out. Yeah. It's okay. Like yeah. And then you could also get back in if you wanted to. Yeah. It's not like just removing the judgment from any of exactly yeah. like having having that kind of judgment on yourself of this is what it needs to be and this is my idea of mm-hmm. it. And if it's not like that, then I can't do it. And what's the point of even trying? Because there's people out there that are I mean, it's the whole idea of like when you start something and then you see somebody who's a professional at what mm-hmm. you're trying to start pretty intimidating a lot of people have the oh well why am i even trying to do this when they're already this good i'll never be that good right but the only way you're gonna even know is if you try right 
a lot. Yeah. That's so key, dude. So easy these days with social media. If you're interested in something, chances are you're going to start consuming or in that area before you start creating in that area. Mm -hmm. So it's like you see the photography industry talk about, uh, you know, there's a lot of photographers out there. Yeah. I mean, everyone's a photographer now with their phone. Yeah, you could argue. Yes. If you take photographs on your phone, you are a quote photographer. Right. There's a big difference. In terms of calling yourself a professional (laughs) photographer. I mean, still a lot out there. I just think that shouldn't like what I'm trying to get at is like, how do you tap into, how do you align your actions and your life decisions with like your true nature in a way? And like trying to strip away, man, I just saw this awesome. I'm going to link it in the podcast show notes. If you've listened this far. Listen, watch this uh, Aubrey Marcus poem that's read by, do you know who Aubrey Marcus is? Yeah, I love Aubrey. Ice, ice bath guy as well. Yeah. Uh, talking about like how we're just conditioned to be separated from our souls, value things that don't fill us up, uh, make decisions about our health based on the need for... Uh, you know, external validation or fear out of fear, stuff like that. And like, it just like, it scares me so much to like, to look back at my own life and say that I've been a victim of all that, like programming and conditioning and not to say that all of it's bad, but like, I just want to get to a point where I'm acting in true alignment with like what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why doing something like for the sake of doing it Mm -hmm. is you know, there's nothing better, man. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I guess speak on a little bit on, uh, how, like, I mean, did you, did you deal with like the comparison of like looking at yourself and then looking at other glass blowers and being like, well, this is fucked up. Cause if oh. I want to be professional, I have to get to this level. That seems pretty far fetched. Definitely. And I mean, there's always going to be some sort of aspect of that, of seeing stuff that other people make that's, you know, levels above what you're making or Mm -hmm. what you're able to make. But then also at the same time, there's so many people out there. You think about the percentage of people that consume art or like Mm -hmm. smoke weed and want to buy a pipe or, you know, they want to buy a pendant or they like jewelry or, you know, there's a lot more people out there that consume the art than make it. Mm -hmm. So looking at just the other creators, you're seeing such a small percentage of people. Mm -hmm. And if you just try and emulate one thing or, you know, copy someone's work or, you know, don't really put that much original thought into your own stuff, then you're going to just kind of be going after the same group of people that's consuming that person's work. Whereas if you, just make whatever you like making and enjoy it. That's always going to give you the best ideas in terms of, you know, you're going to make something and then it's going to make you think of something else and then just give you this whole new offshoot, different idea of what you want to do. And then there's going to be inevitably people that align with that vision that start wanting to say, Hey, you got stuff available or, Mm -hmm. and obviously it takes time. You have to develop the skill to match the vision. So now I'm almost seven years into blowing glass. Now it's crazy to think about that. I've been doing it for that long, but yeah, I mean, now I'm able to kind of make 
stuff a lot closer to what I envision it as. Mm -hmm. So that definitely helps in terms of not really feeling like, sorry, I kind of forgot the question. No, just like the creative gap is what you're talking about. Like you're, I was asking you like, did it psych you out seeing people early on? Yeah. It sounds like you were, what I, what I take away is like, you were just excited about creating in the first place. And so regardless of like the fact that the art that you were making, like those early pipes, those early little bubblers, Mm -hmm. like you look at that now, it's like a laughing stock. It's like not a laughing stock in this, like that's part of your path. And so it's like even more awesome to see that stuff now knowing like who you are. But if you just saw like, the little little shooters that you would make. Like, yeah, it's funny to look back on and be like, tiny this, down was, stem. Yeah. this was as good as I could do. And this right. is like, this was... Well, the fact that you could even make a pipe. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. You know, like as a stoner in, you know, high yeah. school, it's like we always like valued our glass so much. It's like such sentimental. Mm-hmm. Like you have this connection with this piece of like art essentially. And like for the most part, people are buying <clears throat> some random pipe because it's 10 bucks at the right. smoke shop. That's kind of... Thank you for reminding me. That's kind of where I was going with that is like, even if there's that person making the thing that's so much far and above what you're making in your eyes, there's always going to be that person who what you're making is like the coolest thing in the world. And they have that extreme sentimental value. Mm -hmm. So now that I've gotten so much of my work out there videos too. People be like, wow, your video is so good. But you know, deep down that shit is weak. You know, like I know that all the videos I've ever made in my life are like pretty amateur at best, you know? And I've been a video editor for four years, but that doesn't mean like, I still am happy with the decision to make those videos, even though they're not like, I'm not like proud of them in terms of like, this is my life's work in one video or something like that. Right. I mean, at the same time, you now being four years into it, you have a completely different perspective on what that whole industry is of like being a video editor and everything. So you have this, completely kind of jaded perspective to it yeah. that most people don't have. Most people don't understand what all goes into it. Yeah. And they see one of your videos and they're, it's hard to distinguish from any other video they see yeah, in a similar um, topic. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So, so like when I see your pieces and I'm like, dude, this is, this is as good as it gets. You're like, well, it's really good. Like you see your growth, but then you see the little imperfections, the little, yeah. I mean, that's what any, any creator sees more imperfections in their own work than anything else. You know, you're always going to see all of the flaws because you know exactly what went into it. You know, exactly Mm -hmm. the process and everything. So, you know, everything you had to go back and fix, Mm -hmm. even if you fixed it to the point where you can't tell, you still know that was a thing that you had to do. So, you're always going to have that sort of self judge that's harsher than most people's Mm -hmm. judge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have because it makes you, it, that pushes you to be better because you, you're always evolving your self judge Yeah, and that's going to keep pushing you to be better and not stagnant in Cause I mean, Rogan talks about that a lot. A lot of people will get to a spot and they'll just be, you know, I'm happy with my skill here and Mm -hmm. I can, I mean, especially in the glass blowing world, like people make production pipes. Yes, they figure out like a market. Here's how yeah. I can make money. Here's people that are willing to buy my work consistently. I can just stay here and be comfortable mm-hmm. and make enough money to be happy and I get to blow glass. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, enough for people. And I, that's awesome for those people. Mm-hmm. 
um, I mean, for me, some people are happy just shooting weddings. Mm -hmm. Some people are happy just making corporate videos, you know? Some people are happy just doing real estate videos, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. as soul draining as that activity is. No, literally no judgment on those people, but that's not me. That sounds right. like not you either. Like, Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm lucky to have a day job that I can also at the same time progress my skills mm -hmm. working at Quave Club Banger, making courts bangers and charmers and all sorts of charmers, courts, the new courts. yeah, charmers, the, the new hot hot nail really yeah they're popular they're pretty popular yeah i mean it's a good competitor so club bangers like known as the best quartz nail like on the market like it's the it's the sony of the camera industry it's the apple of right of the of the pc of the macbook you know the apple of the macbook <laughs> the apple of the the computer industry yeah. that's i mean even <laughs> even funnier it's the apple of the macbook like it's yeah. the macbook yeah it's the macbook it's like yeah. the the thing like you yeah. didn't even call it a laptop it's like yeah. just known as a macbook <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ipod yeah there's no such thing as an mp3 player exactly yeah so yeah. i mean it's a pretty niche market in terms of there's not that many people doing it now i mm -hmm. mean now there's a lot more competitors on the market but yeah we've been around for a while now i've been working there for six years mm -hmm. and um it's just good to have that that as a day job. So, you know, I don't have to worry about making money blowing glass. And right. that, that really has afforded me the luxury of being able to, to make what I want and what I can kind of just pursue whatever, whatever yeah. artistic direction I want to go mm -hmm. because I don't have to worry about this is going to get me paid or mm -hmm. whatever. And that definitely, if that's your, if gl like blowing glass is your only avenue for revenue it can kind of pigeonhole you into something that yeah you know you can make money at totally. and then you have to keep making money at just doing that yeah. because that's the thing and it's a lot it makes it harder to it makes it i mean not harder but more stressful to expand yeah. your skills when you correlate your craft and passion with stress and work like you start to muddy the waters a little bit for certain people. It's like on, okay. On one hand, it's kind of a double-edged sword dichotomy here, but on one hand, if you're going to work fucking 90,000 hours in your life, might as well have it be something that you enjoy. On the other hand, if it's something you enjoy, you don't want it to feel like work. Right. Mm -hmm. So more now than ever, I've come to this place where if someone wants to be a hobbyist or an amateur, that's like all the more power to them, you know, like, but if you want to like be full time, like it's super hard to do that. Like if you want to like really create a, a path as a glass blower, mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to do that. If you're like sitting in a desk job 40 hours a week and trying to squeeze it in on, on the weekends and on at night. So what I always say is like, at least for me, what I've learned from the people that I've like looked to that have like began to move in a direction towards their future goals and passions, mm -hmm. momentum, right? This is like a lesson I've, we talk about on symphony all the time, but it's like build momentum. And then once you have momentum, it's easier to like, I mean, how'd you even get the job at QCB in the first place? Like you can't do that from sitting on the couch to like getting hired as a glass blower. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was a function of me having already spent a year 
or a little over a year on the torch, you know, teaching myself how to blow glass. If I'd never done that work mm -hmm. and I just come home from the hardware store every day and, you know, watch Netflix or sat on my phone or didn't do anything productive, then I would for sure not be where I am today. Also, mm -hmm. just like the timing, you know, right time, right place, know mm -hmm. the right people. Yeah. There's so much that has to line up and a lot of it, I mean, 99% of it is outside your control, but you can focus on things that you can control that'll put you in a better position mm -hmm. if an opportunity does arise. And you're following your like gut, your heart, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. your intuition, those opportunities to like meet someone that might hire you. Like mm -hmm. the same thing happened to me, like one thing led to the next. And it's like, looking back on it, it seems like kind of pure chance almost. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to question like, is anything really pure chance? Like, or are we like what kind of going back to what I'm like, one of my anxieties is like that we actively make decisions that take us away from our like true destiny in like a positive deep sense. Like I think there's like just leaving it all up to like, Oh, I'm just going to kind of do whatever and hope it works out. That's not really the way to go. Like you have to make conscious decisions, but you also mm -hmm. have to like make conscious decisions that are moving you towards like what deep down you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally it does. Whoa, what happened to the episode? All right, that's it. We took a little break, ended up smoking a joint and uh, recording for another hour. But that hour is not going on the podcast, I'll tell you right now, um, for a number of reasons. But we, do, we got into it about um, our perspectives on COVID, um, which, uh, yeah, we just were a little stoned, so we didn't really articulate ourselves probably as clearly as we'd like to. But it's all good. I think we're going to do a whole episode, maybe an hour, just on that or maybe potentially on the symphony podcast. We'll figure it out. Nonetheless, it was such a treat to have Lewis on the podcast, his stories, uh, his time. I, I just really enjoyed the time that we spent hanging out in, uh, our little conference room apartment complex, uh, downstairs. And, uh, yeah, Lewis is definitely someone that I look up to appreciate and admire, and I can't wait to see where his path continues to go. All right, make sure you give him a follow. He's uh, always doing free giveaways. So if you want to potentially buy or win some free glass, some maybe a necklace, a pendant, uh, maybe a pipe, who knows, um, hit him up, Lou Glass. There it is. Peace. <laughs>